This is episode number 48, Visualizing the Endgame, with Ebony Watson. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to make a brief announcement and invite all of our listeners to our upcoming event on February 23rd in LA called Survive to Thrive, an event where you will get a chance to connect with hundreds of people who share a similar story that you do, an event where you will get a chance to hear from speakers from all over the country, including Leslie Johnson, Jeanette Yaff, Mark Guay, Michelle Madrid Branch, Khalif Price, and many others. For more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash survive to thrive. Now, let's get back to our guests. It all started when she was a little girl. She said, since I was a little girl, I always knew that I wanted to be a social worker. So, I knew that I had to do certain things in order to be able to work with people. I was once told, a dream written down with a definite date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into actionable steps becomes a plan. A plan supported by action becomes a reality. Without further ado, please welcome Ebony Watson. Today's guest is a good friend of mine who I met through a mutual connection from Ann Arbor, Michigan, who will also be one of the speakers at our upcoming event on March 16th in Ann Arbor called Seeing is Believing. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring down this guest to our show and have her share her story with the rest of you. So without further ado, please welcome Ebony Watson. Ebony, thank you for joining us on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I wanted to connect with you, and I'm very fortunate to do so through Miriam, who works at University of Michigan. And I remember when I was having a conversation with her and talking to her about different speakers that she knows of within the area of, of Michigan that could be possible prospects for our coming conference. I remember she had mentioned your name. And then I read a little bit about your bio, and then I was like, that's it. This is the person <laughs> i got to have a conversation with just because of the things you went through and I think the direction you're going towards with your experience. And so what I wanted to do with that is for some of our listeners who may not be aware of your story and your background, would you be willing to share a little bit of your upbringing and how you are using that to move forward in today's world? Oh, absolutely. I would um, love to share. So I recently graduated from University of Michigan School of Social Work, which is where I met Miriam. 
And during my time there, I spoke a lot about um, giving back to the community by sharing my my personal story. Mm-hmm. And when I was a little girl, I was taken away and I was put into foster care with my siblings because my parents had a substance abuse issue. And I was placed in multiple different foster homes when I was a little girl until my parents was able to take care of me. And I believe it was during that time that I was in foster care and I had experienced sexual abuse. Um, I also was verbally abused and physically abused while I was in different foster homes. And I believe it was around that time when I said, you know, I want to be a social worker and I want to give back Mm -hmm. and I want to help other teens and children who have went through similar experience as myself, which is what I'm doing now. I'm actually a social worker at Heartland High School in Michigan, Mm. where I work with teens who who have experienced the same issues that I did and um, some even experience things that I have never experienced. So I'm using my story to give back to other people because I can relate to the teens that I work with right now and I can also connect with them because I've been where they are. How does all of that impact you moving forward? Because, you know, one of the reasons I asked that is I was someone who experienced a similar level of abuse, not sexual, but a lot of verbal and emotional while living at the orphanage in Russia. And I know that moving forward right now, there are certain triggers that I see during a day that evoke a lot of the emotions and feelings that I experienced when I was a little kid. So for you, how is there anything during the day that you come across and it, and it kind of brings you back to that memory or has a flashback? And if so, how do you deal with that? I would I would definitely have to say yes because I deal with so many different students. Um, so for example, I think a couple of months ago I was working with a student who was actually in forced to care and actually had experienced sexual sexual abuse in the home. And for me, it brought up past trauma. So I had to actually speak with my supervisor about it on how to cope with it and how do I deal with it? Because I wanted to make sure that I was helping the student, but not helping the student for my past Mm -hmm. and pushing my own um, values and beliefs on her based off of the things that I had been through. So I think it, it, it varies on day to day on depending on what student I see and what issues Mm -hmm. that they may have. But I think it's a, it's a constant reminder of the things that I've been through working in a, in a setting like that. Mm. Do you have any advice for people who are going through similar things? I know that you mentioned in your case is going to a supervisor, but let's say in in an instance where you don't have access to that due to multiple reasons, what, what can I do on their own? Is there a set of practices that you kind of take yourself through, whether that's breathing, meditating, thinking of something else, reading a book, whatever it may be, like what, what can other people do in that case? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I also try every day to get up about an hour early to start my day off um, earlier than I would early so that I can meditate. I know you mentioned meditate. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the ways that I meditate is I may in the morning, I may read a positive article I may also pick a theme song that I like and I may listen to that song in the morning while I'm getting dressed or my way to work. I may listen to a motivational speaker. Um, sometimes I listen to Eric Thomas 
Um, sometimes I listen to past sermons from my hmm. my pastor, um, Pastor Byron J. Elliott. Um, he's the pastor of the Rivermont Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. We also have a call um, on Wednesdays with my church every Wednesday where we come on for seven minutes and we pray and um, we read the scripture. So there's different forms of meditating or different ways that a person can deal with different things. But because I know that every day I have to deal with different students and trauma, I constantly prepare myself in the morning before I start my day. Mm-hmm. And then even when I, when I get home, you know, I may practice self-care by, you know, taking five to 10 minutes to meditate quietly. Um, I may talk to, you know, my husband about his day. So sometimes getting my mind off of it so you can do that. And there are all different types of support groups. So in the community, I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So I know with U of M, they have different support groups. Um, if you would like to speak with a counselor or a therapist, there are different therapists all throughout the state, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So there are different ways if you know someone is dealing with that, that they can seek help, whether it may be with a, a counselor in a work setting or a therapist. Um, if you're able to get one, if you can pay out of pocket, I would definitely suggest that. Or even if you have to go through an insurance company. And sometimes they have free support groups within the community. Mm-hmm. So there are constant constant avenues to seek help. And all of the, the things that I just mentioned, I use all of them. And That's I have amazing. Used, I have used all of those resources. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Way to utilize your network. It, mm-hmm. it It's interesting that you say the different forms of meditation one of the things that I was given over Christmas by one of my cousins is a book called How to Sit. And essentially, it's a, every single page is a different form of meditation. And so it gives you examples for when, you, when you're walking outside, when you are sitting yeah. somewhere, when you're eating. And I, I knew that there are different forms of meditating mm-hmm. because I think at the core, what it really is, is just being able to be with yourself in the present and just being very conscious of the things that are happening around you and your thoughts. So you can't do that anywhere. But it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was first getting introduced to this a couple years ago, I thought that there was only one way of doing it. I thought it was, okay, you had to go buy a pillow or a cushion. You had to sit down in this particular place of the house and mm-hmm. you know it you couldn't be exposed to light or sound or anything and then the more and more i learned it i was like hmm uh that's not it exactly <laughs> it's right it's it's more you can do this anywhere it's just being able to get into that state and so it and pretty much whatever whatever makes you comfortable mm-hmm. um to be to be present and be in that state to get you to that point i, I would definitely agree mm-hmm I want to transition into the theme of today's episode, and that is visualizing the end game, which is also the topic of the presentation that you'll be giving at Seeing is Believing in Ann Arbor on March 16th. And the first question that I'm very curious about is, how did you visualize a positive day or a positive outcome during your times of adversity? And are there any any stories that come to mind when it all made sense as far as like, this is how I'm going to go about it throughout the day. Um, so to be honest, you know, like I said a little earlier, 
um, using my, I would say my church as a strong support system Mm -hmm. when I was going through adversity to visualize pretty much the ending goal. So, you know, since I was a little girl, I always knew that I wanted to be a social worker. So I knew that I had to do certain things in order to be able to work with people. Mm-hmm. And once I was able to, that's when I applied for college and got my bachelor's and got my master's in order to be where I am today. So I always knew, I always saw the pictures and I always knew like, I want to work with people. I didn't know the form or the setting, but I knew that I wanted to work with teens. Mm-hmm. So I knew regardless of the things that I was facing in foster care or the abuse that I was enduring, that I had to keep pushing forward in order to see the ending light mm-hmm. in order to get to be where I am today to help other people. Mm. How do you stay? I guess a better question is how do you stay positive during those times? And because in my case, I, I've lived through so much adversity during my first 12 years where it, it's it's a little bit harder to not necessarily recall the positive moments, but more so acknowledge all the moments that have happened. And so when you experience any negative thoughts or things like that, what do you do to turn it around? Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's a good question because um, to be transparent with you, that happens pretty much every day, um, you know, trying to stay positive. So for me, I have sticky notes where you can actually get them from the 99 cent store anywhere where you (laughs) write um, self affirmations and Mm -hmm. I write in the self affirmations the things that I think. So sometimes, you know, when I have a bad day or things are not going right, I, you know, have had thoughts in the past like, oh, my gosh, Ebony, you're a failure. Mm -hmm. So what I will do is I will get a sticky note. I will get my black marker and I will put I am not a failure. And I will put that in the bathroom, but I do it every day. So by the time I go into my bathroom in the morning or whether I'm getting dressed or in the shower, I have about 50 to 60 sticky notes on my walls, you know, of affirmation. And, you know, some of them that I have is I am not a failure. I will save 10% of my income. I am a great social worker. I am not my past or I did not curate myself being in foster care. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But it's pretty much, like you said, changing and reframing my thinking. So whatever I think neg- negative, I write totally the opposite. Mm-hmm. And it allows me to see my progress. And sometimes I even write dates. So I'll have something in September and I may go in my bathroom and it's June. Mm-hmm. And if I'm still struggling with that same thing, then I realize, okay, well, I have to, I have to change this behavior because, you know, it's not, it's not working. Do you write a new one every day or do you try to, or do you kind of refer back to the old ones? Yes. I, I write a new one every day only because I'm constantly in, you know, we're constantly going, we're constantly going to work. We're constantly interacting with people. So the more, I get into the field of social work because I recently just graduated in July. Mm -hmm. The more I I work with people and different things that I'm exposed to. And sometimes I may not, you know, always feel like I did my best. And sometimes I may want to do more. Or sometimes I can just have thoughts about my past or my childhood. And it will get me into, you know, sometimes a place where my thoughts are not the best. Mm -hmm. So in order to keep, you know, 
positive thoughts. I try to, you know, put, put sticky notes. And also another way that I stay positive is I connect myself with, you know, positive people. So people who are doing similar things like, like me. So other social workers in the field who are my friends, mm-hmm. um, my spiritual friends. So I'm, you know, very well connected, very well connected and involved in church. So I, I try to do, go out to events at church, whether that may be Bible study and, you know, music is also a form of positive thoughts for me. So I'm careful to the music that I listen to, mm-hmm. because if I'm singing the words, that's positive to me, too, because it's helping me to, to speak to myself. And I also do journal writing. So I try to write in my journal every day. And depending on the negative thoughts that I have, I will write a positive journal entry or note to myself. So a couple of months ago, I wrote a note to my younger self. And that encouraged me to be positive because I said, hey, you got to look at you have to look at the progress. So I Mm -hmm. I do different. You could you know, I do different forms of um, self affirmations to be to keep myself positive. Mm -hmm. How do you develop the discipline to do that? Because based on what I'm hearing right now is that there are so many different things that are in play as far as having the sticky notes, the journaling. Uh, listening to certain speakers and listening to certain music, I, I guess based on my understanding of just who we are as people it, is that sometimes it's hard to not even necessarily find the motivation because it's very different from discipline, mm-hmm. but find the discipline to repeat those tasks on a daily basis. So how mm-hmm. how did you do that? Did you start with one and then once you felt that you were comfortable with having that be a habit where you just woke up every day and you just did that and then you moved on to the next one or did you start with all of them and then kind of just thought to yourself okay whichever one of these will stick those are the ones i'll follow Mm -hmm. well to be honest with you i think it was something that i just started to develop a habit of Mm -hmm. and in addition to developing a habit i have a mentor so i have people who I go to guidance for, and these are some of the tasks that they suggested that I do. And I know just in the field that I am in social work in general, if you do not take care of yourself, you cannot take care of other people. You cannot help other people Mm -hmm. if you're burnt out or, you know, of course we all have a good day or a bad day or a negative thought or a positive thought. But if it's something that is a pattern and you don't take care of it, then I would be no, you know, I would be no help to the the students that I serve on a day to day basis, and then the clients that I see um, at my other at my other job in the night. So for me, because I know that I want to provide the best service to people, and I really want to help people, and I want to make sure that I'm able to give them all of the resources and the tools that they need. Mm-hmm. It's a must. It's it's a must for me. It's like if you don't do this for yourself then you cannot do this for for X, Y, and Z, and mm-hmm. it's just not going to be a good thing. <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think I think before you're able to help someone, you have to be able to help yourself. Yes. Otherwise, you're coming from, you know, it's one of the things I've noticed throughout public speaking and speaking in different uh, arenas and and also being exposed to other speakers is that sometimes you have... Sometimes with people who haven't healed fully and mm-hmm. it's, it just becomes that much harder to connect with someone yes. that you're trying to help because you still haven't figured out what exactly works for you. 
and then you're telling the other person these things that may work for them, but you haven't tested it yourself. So you don't exactly know whether or not it works. That's I, I, I couldn't agree with that, agree with that more as well, because even as I start to tell my story and I get different opportunities to speak such as now, mm-hmm. because I'm healed and I've tried certain things, I'm able to help other people and say, Hey, well, this is what I did and this didn't work, but it may work for you. So knowing, you know, what will work and what will not, not work. Mm-hmm. Final thought for today's episode. And that is, when the odds are completely against you, what are some core fundamental principles that you always refer to? Hmm. When the odds are completely against me, I would have to say I I refer back to my childhood and a saying that I came up with, you know, over the years. And it's a simple saying it's not where you come from, but it's where you're headed. And mm. when I think of that that saying and that model that I go by, I like to look at that as it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what happened in your childhood. It doesn't matter what's even happening at the present moment. Mm-hmm. It, it matters what you're going to do to move forward in visualizing the end game and how you're going to move forward to get to your ending goal. Mm. Well, Ebony, thank you so much for sharing your story and your message with us. And how do people get connected to you? How do they stay in touch? What are some of the um, connecting points that people can really, is it websites, Instagram, Facebook, Mm -hmm. like where do people find you and your work? Mm -hmm. Well, right now I am on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I will be coming out with a website and things in the near future. But my Facebook and Instagram is Ebony. E B O N Y M Watson W A T S O N. And if you type that in, you can find me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and you can shoot me an email, a DM, a message. If you have any questions or if, or anything. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can receive all of our latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you next week.